Hey everyone, you're listening to the MLEPC podcast. Thank you for joining us. The podcast features every previous Sunday's sermon and plenty of other cool content like interviews and mini-series. Please remember to share our content and subscribe to our channel so you can stay up to date with everything that we create. You can find out more about what's happening at the church by visiting our website at mlepc.org or checking us out on our social media. Once again, we thank you for tuning in to the Emily PC podcast, and we hope to see you at an event soon. It is good to be able to worship with all of you this morning. I was away in Virginia last week, and I'm grateful for all the hands that put up our beautiful decorations. And, and for those of you who served in worship last week, it is great this week to have Cece Corey back. Um, she, this was her first Sunday back after her surgery, and we are just grateful for that. It is, God is good. <laughs> um, as we, as Pastor Cinda mentioned, we have started our new sermon series, which is called Advent Through the Eyes of the, new, of the Old Testament. So we're looking at a series of Old Testament prophecies to anticipate the coming of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. The very, very last book of the Old Testament is our theme today, the book of Malachi. So I'm going to turn to Malachi and then read also a passage in Hebrews that, that speaks to the topic. This is Malachi chapter 3, verse, starting with verse 1. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord who you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in the former years. So I will come and put to you and put you on trial. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress widows and the fatherless, and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. And turning over to Hebrews chapter 12, this is starting with verse 5. And, you have, and have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children for what, ch what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters of, at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. 
Holy God, we do thank you and we praise you for your word. Sometimes your word is hard, but Lord, we pray that you would show us and reveal to us the, the, the love that you have, even in the midst of your discipline. And Lord God, open our hearts today, pour out your Holy Spirit on us so that we may hear and receive and not be hearers only, but doers also. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When we think about Advent, they, my Anglican friends call it the long wait. The long wait is that season of waiting that we think about in the, in the years of the Old Testament as they longed for a Messiah. And it also captures our longing even right now for the return of the Lord to know that he is going to come and make all things new and, and right every wrong and transform every single life and heart. It is a, a deep, deep longing. But the, the, the proclamation of the coming Messiah is not always an easy word. And this passage in Malachi is one of the hard ones. He will refine us with fire. That's not something you necessarily look forward to. If you are a fan of, of Handel's Messiah, I, I just love that piece of music and I can listen to it over and over. Handel devotes two different movements to, these, to two of the verses I just read, Malachi 3.2 and Malachi 3.3. 3. This, this big bass aria is who can stand the day of his coming. Who can, who can stand in God's presence? He will refine you with a, he is like a refiner's fire. And then that's followed by the chorus all chiming in and say, singing, he shall purify the sons of Levi. And, and it, it, as you listen to all the different voices come together, it's like they're flickering in a fire. In a, and it starts off with one flame and then it turns into a whole bonfire of voices flickering. He will refine you with fire. And it's kind of a fearsome song. The, the, the melodies are, are so powerful. Why is it that, that this is the moment where God is wanting to emphasize love? That doesn't feel like love, does it? But Malachi, in the very, very, very first uh, section of Malachi, the second verse, the first verse is, this is the word of the Lord. The second verse says, I have loved you. I have loved you. And as we look at the whole chapter and the, the whole book, we see two things that our, our study guide highlights for us. Two points. God has loved us and his love purifies us. God loves us and his love purifies us. So let's dig into what Malachi is, who Malachi was, and how he fits in to the big picture. Malachi, if you're looking in your Bible, it's the very, very last book of the Old Testament right before the book of Matthew. So he is the last prophet to speak before 400 years of silence. What is the word that God wants to say to his people before he goes silent? What is that last word? It's not an easy word. Malachi is, is speaking to the Israelites. They've come back from, from exile in Babylon. They've rebuilt the temple. Nehemiah has rebuilt the wall. But they are now living in kind of a, a half-hearted way. You would think that people who had just been rescued out of the horrible conditions and brought back to their homeland would be excited to go to the temple every day, would be bringing everything they had to, to serve the Lord. But that's not what we see. 
they're bringing uh, bad offerings. They're supposed to bring a perfect lamb, and instead they're choosing the, the runt of the family, the ones that are blind and lame, and keeping the good stuff for themselves. The, the Levites, the, the priests, and, and those who are, are serving in the temple, they have wandered away. They've done all these horrible things. And God calls them out in the book of Levi, in the book of Malachi, to say, I have loved you, and here's what I'm going to do. I am going to purify you so that you can be my people, so that you can be stripped away of all of the gunk that has been clogging your life and be set free. The book of Malachi kind of reads like a court case that, that, that the Lord will make a statement and the people will say, wait, what? How do we do that? So the, he, he will say, you've defiled me. And they, they say, but how have we defiled you? And they'll say, you've wearied me. Well, how have we wearied you? And over and over, you've robbed me. How have we robbed you? But the very, very first statement like that that God makes is, I have loved you. And they come back with, how have you loved us? Like, is this love? They, they are so doubting who God is and his love for them. And he reminds them, the, the, his one response, how have you loved us? And, and God is like, I chose you. I didn't have to choose you. I could have chosen anybody. I could have chosen uh, a different nationality. I, I could have chosen any people. There's nothing about you that made you special, but I chose you. He uses the example of Jacob and Esau. As, as you remember, Jacob and Esau were twin brothers, uh, the sons of Isaac, and they came out of the womb fighting. Isaac was a manly man. He was the one that was strong and hairy and would go hunting and do all the stuff. And from a human perspective, he would be the one that you would want to carry the line through. He was definitely the strongest brother. Jacob was a wimp. Jacob was whiny, he was manipulative, he lied, he, he did all kinds of things to connive, to, to get his birthright, or to steal Esau's birthright, and, and then to, to do whatever he could to, to forward himself. Why in the world would God choose Jacob? It seems obvious that he should have chosen Esau. And yet God saw in this whiny, lying wimp, God saw that he could make something incredible out of him that would glorify God, not Jacob. Because Jacob was not worth glorifying, but God was. By taking this person who had nothing, who was, who was, who was a cast off of the, of the family, and by elevating him to a point of becoming the father of the nation of Israel. Jacob's name is trained, changed to Israel, and it is from him all of the tribes of Israel came. God has, has now, and generations later, as he is talking to these people, they, he's, God is saying, I chose you like I chose Jacob. And the, the country of, es of Edom, uh, the nation of Edom came out of Esau. Both Edom and Israel had gone through a horrible time. But God says, I chose you, and I'm going to restore you. I'm not going to restore Edom. I'm going to restore you. That's how I have loved you. I am going to rescue you. I'm going to deliver you. And how am I going to deliver you? I'm going to provide a Messiah. I'm going to provide for you a Redeemer. It, it says, suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. 
It's this promise of redemption that it won't, even, won't just put them back in the land, but will transform their hearts, that will transform them into a people loved and, and proclaiming the, the love of God. As, as he is looking at these people who are, are, are messed up and have lost their, I, I mentioned my e-letter, the song, the Righteous Brothers song kept going through my head. He, you've lost that love and feeling. They've lost the love and feeling toward God. And God knows that what he needs to do to help them restore that is for them to be clean. For them to be cleansed and refined like, like gold or silver is refined. He knows that he needs to purify them and get all the gunk off of them so they can be set free to be in a love relationship with the Lord. It's, it, it, it's because God loves us that he won't let us stay in this mess. He wouldn't let them stay in this puddle of goo that they were in. He wanted to set them free from that. It uses two examples, a fabric that gets, is, all, uh, is all filthy and gets washed with launderer's soap. The other example he uses is silver and gold that get refined with fire. Notice that neither of those examples destroys the original article. It's not about annihilation. It's not about destruction. It's about purifying. It's about cleansing and washing. Some of you may have heard the, the kind of classic sermon illustration. A group of people went to meet with someone who was a refiner of silver. And they watched as he melted the silver into a liquid. And then he would skim off of the top all the impurities. And he kept skimming and he kept skimming. And then suddenly he stopped. And they said, well, why did you stop? And he said, I can see my reflection in it. That means it's pure. And wow, isn't that a great word for Christians? When God can see his reflection in us, then we have been made pure. Are we reflecting Jesus? Or are we still covered in sludge and, and, and not letting people see Jesus in our lives? God wants to cleanse us in such a way that we reflect him. As I've been thinking about this image, I, the, the, the picture that came into my head was that if you've seen them after an oil spill, they clean the birds and the wild animals that get caught in the oil spill. This is a miserable process for a bird. They, they do not like the cleansing process, but those who are caring for them know that if they do not get cleansed, they will die. They are not being harsh to be harsh. They're being, they're being as gentle as they possibly can, but they're doing important and necessary cleansing so that that bird can live again. That bird has not just been slimed on the outside. It's got chemical burns on its skin. As it tries to clean itself, it, gets, it, it, it causes stomach problems and dehydration, all of these things. And that bird has to be cleansed and tended and nurtured to be able to be set free so that it can swim and fly and, and have a full life again. That is what it's like for us. We can get caught in the goo of life. We can get distracted by consumerism. We can get torn down by, by anger and unforgiveness. We can get completely chained by the things of this world. God doesn't want to punish us in his discipline. He wants to set us free. He wants to wash us clean so that that stuff that is getting on our skin and inside of us and destroying us from the inside out so that we can be cleansed of all of that and be restored 
so that we can have a right relationship with God again, so that we can love God and we can understand his love for us as well. Who can stand at the day of his coming? Who can stand those who bow before the Lord and say, Lord, I am stuck, I am covered, I am filthy, I need your cleansing power. I need you to come and pour out your love on me like soap. I need you to even use the fire that we're in and transform us. One of the questions in the study guide was that, does, is all suffering brought on by God to, bring, to make us refining, to, to refine us? I would say the, the suffering, it's not necessarily because like a hurricane isn't brought on because you need to get your life together. But God can use all suffering for his glory and for your refining. Joseph, when he is, has been you know, tossed aside by his brothers, sold into slavery, and, and he goes to Egypt and ends up rescuing his brothers, they, they, they are, are confused. Why are you being gracious to us? And he said, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. God can use all situations to cleanse us to purge out of us the things that we've been holding on to that are not of him. He can use the difficult times in our life if we are willing to say, Lord, I need your help. I need you to cleanse me. Use this time and transform me. Change who I am based on, on what you are doing in my life. Last week, you all sang one of my favorite Christmas carols, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here. Israel was feeling defeated and, and oppressed and, in, and captured. We often don't think of ourselves as captive, but yet we are covered in the things that weigh us down. We are covered in, com in consumerism. We are covered in broken relationships. We're, we're covered in injustice. It's quite a list, isn't it? When he, when he talks about in uh, Malachi 5, uh, I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, oppress the widows and fatherless, and deprive the foreign among you of justice. Boy, some of those things are right on the news report from today. We need God to come and cleanse ourselves and our society of the injustice, of the, of the broken things, of, the, of, the, of those who have been set aside and ignored, those who need restoration. God wants to come in and cleanse us, cleanse the way that we relate to each other through his love because he loved us first, then we can love others. But he does that by discipline. He says, I discipline those I love. When Pastor Job was here a few weeks ago, he told me right before the service, I think I have a prophecy for the church. And I'm like, okay, if it's God, then let, let it be said. And it was the letter to the Laodiceans in the book of Revelation in chapter 3 that we are lukewarm. And if we do not become hot or cold, God will throw us, spit us out of his mouth. Brothers and sisters, what is it making us? And I'm saying us, like me too. Like, what is making all of us lukewarm? Is it distraction? Is it busyness? Is it, is it trying to succeed by human standards? Is it, is it being stuck in a crisis and not being able to see God in the midst of it? 
Is it coming to worship with half of our heart? Is it bringing uh, half of, our, uh, of what we ought to bring, our, our hearts, our tithes, or anything like that? What is it that's making us to, to be lukewarm? God says, behold, I stand at the door and knock anyone who, who re- receives me. I will come in and will sup with him. The answer, the solution to being lukewarm is to open ourselves up to Christ. To say, Lord, come in. I need you. I don't have everything I need. That was Laodicea's problem. They were rich. They thought they had it all. And they think, but you don't have me. There's a beautiful moment at the end of Malachi when he is saying that I will preserve a remnant, that I will preserve a people who are faithful and who call on my name. It says in um, Malachi, Malachi 4.2, but for, those, for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays. If you remember the Hark the Herald Angels Sing that has that line in it, the sun of righteousness with healing in his wings. You will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. Then you will trample the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act. Think about that image of frolicking like well-fed calves. Some of you grow up in the city, but I'm sure you've driven out in the country some and seen calves just having a party together. It's, it's kind of hilarious to watch them dancing around and playing. God is saying, that's what I want you to be like. If you revere my name, God will relieve you of the burdens and the cares. You will be like well-fed calves. I will take care of you. I will provide for you. And I will set you free. You'll no longer be like a... a a waterfowl covered in goo. You'll be set free to fly. I love you so much. I want to do this for you. I want to cleanse you and purify you so that you will be free to rejoice in Jesus Christ. As we come to communion this morning, this is one of those moments when we're reminded of God's cleansing and his purifying power. Jesus did not use soap He did not use literal fire. He used the cleansing power of his own blood to wash us clean. As we distribute the elements, we say this is the the blood of Christ poured out for the forgiveness of sins, for cleansing our sin. That That is what has eternal power to cleanse us and wash us, to set us free from the, the, the goo that's in our lives, the stuff that is trapping us in its power so that we too can be well fed by the body and blood of Jesus Christ and that we can rejoice and delight in him as he delights in us, to know the love that he has for us, to be overflowing with that love so that we can share it with the lost world around us, those also who are trapped and dying, and need the cleansing power of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, the Lord has loved you, and he loves you today, and he will love you forever. All you need to do is turn to him, to open the door when he knocks, to say, come in, Lord, I submit to you. Cleanse me, create in me a clean heart, and renew a right spirit within me, that we may all rejoice and say, Hosanna, blessed is he, who comes in the name of the Lord. Let's pray together. Holy God, we do thank you and we praise you for your cleansing power. Lord, we 
we repent of all of the ways that we have turned from you, all the ways that we have gotten ourselves trapped in the, the tar of this world, that we have, ha, have clogged ourselves with all of the impurities, whether it is uh, money or, or stuff or relationships or anything that is tearing us away from you. Lord, we submit to you now. We lay our lives down to you and we say, Lord, wash us clean. Create in us a clean heart. Do what it takes. Use the fires of affliction to transform us, to remove all of the dross until we can reflect your face, until those around us can see your glory by our obedience, our submission, and our rejoicing in you. Lord, we pray that you would make us like frolicking, well-fed calves, that you would not have us heavy and burdened by, by worry and fear, but rather that you would remind us that you are the one who provides. You are the one who protects. You are the one who has a future and a hope for all of us. Holy God, we thank you for the ways that you have provided for our congregation, that you have delivered those we love, like Cece, through difficult surgeries, we pray for those like Lee Boyd, who's in, in, in the hospital right now, for those who are facing difficulties with, with pneumonia and other respiratory viruses. Lord, we pray that you would touch their bodies, and not just their bodies, but their souls as well. Use these, these moments of, of, of trouble to draw near to them and have them draw near to you, that they would know that when they call out to you, you are present, you are real, you are there, you are here. Lord God, we thank you and we praise you that whenever we call, you are with us. Lord, and we ask you to be with us even as we share in communion, even as we leave these doors and go out to proclaim your name in our neighborhoods, in our classrooms, in our offices. Lord, let us reflect you in all that we say and do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, this is Pastor Carolyn. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can check out our website at mlepc.org. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a podcast. Have a blessed day.